I'm your host, Kit McCarty, and our guest today is Misu Andrews. She's back by popular demand. Welcome, Misu. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Kit. It's fun to be back. I am so glad you are. It's a joy to have Misu back on our show today. A prolific and Christie Award-winning writer, Misu has written more than a dozen books since her breakout novel in 2012, Love Amid the Ashes, winner of the Evangelical Christian Publishers Association Book of the Year. We celebrated the release of her first book in the Egyptian Chronicles series, Potiphar's Wife, last May. This year, she's back with two new books. The first is a devotional called Deep Oceanal that released April 9 and is already ranked number two in Amazon's list of Christian Old Testament commentaries. The second is a novel, the sequel to Potiphar's Wife, called In Feast or Famine that will be released May 9. The book, In Feast or Famine, focuses on the life of Joseph, or rather, the wife of Joseph, and it will debut in the Amazon's list in the top 25 of biblical fiction and in ancient historical fiction. Congratulations, Misu. Ah, thank you. Well, in our last episode, Misu revealed herself to be an off-the-charts extrovert who would much rather be speaking, traveling, and doing women's events than sitting down in a quiet place by herself and writing. And yet, here she is, an award-winning author whose books are getting around way more than she is these days. And she seems to be pretty okay with that. It's more time at home with her husband, dog, and grandkids, all of whom she adores. So, what's been happening in the recent, since the last time we talked a year ago. Well, about the same, actually. About the same. Great. Well, I know that you have been so busy writing, and so let's talk first with the deep oceanals. Now, I'm going to guess some of these came from the blogs that you post on your website. Am I right? Actually, no. (gasps) Extra content. Do tell. These I have written over the last 20 years. These have been written when my girls were small. So I have two daughters. They are now adults, have children of their own. But these were written when my girls were elementary, all the way through teenagers and college and early married years. And my husband actually is the one who has compiled them. He's the editor of this book. And so I wrote, it's all my writing, but because he has a PhD in education, he arranged these devotionals, deep oceanals, um, because they have devotional length, but Bible study depth. And he arranged them in the three parts in which I wrote them. But they, each one begins with a story, a short story that kind of touches the heart. And then they give the full scripture And then after that scripture, 
there's a little bit of commentary. And that commentary is what the Lord talked to me about in that scripture. So it's not some scholarly, academic something. It's it's a personal thing that the Lord talked to me about. And so that, but it still, it teaches the mind. And then the third part of it is a prayer. And that is to transform our hearts our, or, or our lives even. And it's not a prayer that, oh, you have to pray this. It's a prayer just as a jumping us off spot. Um, and then they have a fourth section called Sheep Going Deep. And that's if you have a little more time um, and you want to, you know, get into your Bible a little deeper, then go to the Sheep Going Deep part. And that gives extra um, Bible sections that you can look at and, and spend a little more time studying. So, and, and there are actually three sections or, or three parts that we go through the whole book of Genesis. So, um, there's a devotional devotionals part one, and that actually came out in March devotionals part two. Um, oh, sorry. The first one came out in February two came out in March. And then the third one came out in April and that one is just on the story of Joseph's life. So that one will be a wonderful compliment to In Feast or Famine. Well, that's why I guessed they were related. But no, look at you cranking out the content. So um, what are some of the themes that you're addressing in your devotional? How are people going to connect with you there? You know, it's funny. My mom... Uh, of course, your mom loves everything you write, right? Yeah. Uh huh. You never have your mom as your editor because she just thinks everything. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So, but so my mom, I always order something for her and have it sent to her, and and she has said to me several times, "Honey, it's it's like it's like getting to sit down and talk about the Bible with you." And she said, "It's so personal." And it's like I get to relive some of my granddaughter's lives with them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what other people have said who don't even know me. And yet they say, it's like we get a glimpse, not just into your life. I mean, who cares? It's just my life. <laughs> but it's we get a glimpse into a life and a very personal window about some of the real struggles, the real questions people ask about, well, why doesn't God heal? Why why did God do this? Or why did he let this happen? Why, why did this happen to Jacob? Why did the angel wrestle with Jacob and wrench his tip? I don't know, but maybe it was this. And so I wrestle with those things when I read that scripture. And when I'm doing it in a devotional, I'm going to I'm going to tell you what I think the Lord talked to me about that morning. I'm going to pray according to that prayer. I'm going to talk to the Lord and you're going to get to listen in on it. So it's a very, very intimate, deep time. But it's also a short time. You can do one lesson, one day's time in about 15 minutes. Perfect. Yeah. So you're going to you're going to get you're going to go deep, but you're going to go quick. And um, hopefully it'll stick with you all day. I've I've heard that from several folks that um, it's a thought that you can 
mull over. You can uh, chew the cud. So, Well, you've absolutely mastered that in your writing by teaching us deep truths attached to deep emotions. And those do stick with you longer. That's like having a really satisfying meal. It just stays with you for a long time. And um, so I so appreciate that with your writing. And I know for me that I learn um, much better from watching other people and real life examples of people going through what I'm going through and how they're handling it. And uh, so if you're doing that for us, I sure do appreciate that. I know our uh, listeners and your readers will do as well. Were there any uh, themes that were some of your favorites? Was there a story out of that group that, uh, that you really had to wrestle with that took a lot of time or just something that was a joy to share? Anything that stands out? Uh, you know, I, um, there are so, there are so many fun ones. Um, I, I've got one here. It's, it's called good genes. And it says, do you have good genes? In my day, Calvin Klein, Jordash and Levi were always the standard. Oh wait, no genes, G N E S. The genetics home reference handbook says that genes are the basic physical, you know, and I, I, so I'm going to go into that a little bit. And what this is talking about is Genesis 5, 1 through 32. And so I'm going to go into now talking about Cain and some of the the kids of Cain and Seth. That was Adam and Eve's third son. And maybe you haven't thought about, okay, what happened then with the rest of that? Because then we go into the account of the flood but let's think about what were the other kids like after Cain and Abel? And yeah, Cain had some kids and then Seth had some kids. And, you know, what? what is a family like? And let's think about this real flesh and blood that really happened that suddenly the whole world turned bad. So, you know, let's let's slow down a minute. Let's read every word of scripture and let's bring it into a real world. Jordash and Levi and jeans, you know, let's let's stop a minute, maybe 15 minutes and and think deeply about scripture. So that's what a deep emotional means. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. You know, I usually uh, skim through the genealogies because they're just so boring to me. I don't know these people. Their names are hard to pronounce. There's so little personal detail about them, and yep. yet somehow their names made it into scripture. Right. They were real people with real lives and real loves and real challenges and uh, a real relationship or not with God. Um, and you know if their names were important enough to be included in scripture, they're there for a reason. And I don't rush through those anymore. So yes, I would love to sit down and have coffee with you and explore your thoughts on who all these people were and what their lives were like after brothers, you know, were in such anger uh, that one killed the other. And what happens after a family suffers a trauma of that magnitude? And what happens in the ensuing generations? And do the cousins get together at the family reunion? All the things, all the things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So, so fun. So um, in addition to the deep oceanals, um, and are those uh, available digitally or as a hardcover book? Or what, what are you doing with those? How do people access those? Either one. They're on Amazon. They're available in, in paperback or e-copy. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Yeah. Good. Um, and then let's talk a little bit about your website because there is so much great content on your website. So uh, misoandrews.com where mm-hmm. we can get blogs and, um, and books. Re- uh, so purchase points for books. Um, you have a question and answer session, which is so, so much fun. Fact or fiction. Love that. Um, and when readers sign up for your monthly emails, they get access to exclusive content, sneak peeks at writing life, and the free novella, The Songbird, which is the prequel to Feast or Famine, which we'll talk about in just a minute. So tell us more about your website and what all's going on there. So my website, oh my goodness, it is it is a fun place. It yeah. is. It is. I love the folks that do my website. They are fantastic. And if you ever find anything wrong with my website, please email me. Let me know because they fix it like fast. Um, and and please sign up for my website or for my newsletter. I know I know people always say that and you can unsubscribe at any any point, but I only bother you once a month. But in the midst of that, it we share some really fun things in that web, in that newsletter. And, um, I I share pictures with you and some unique content that no one else gets and, uh, devotional each month. And it, I, I promise not to waste your time. Um, you will get something that is going to encourage you something, hopefully that'll make you laugh something also that, um, it, it's a it's a place where I I get to know my readers. You will get information um, that no one else gets, and the same I think happens with my website. You're gonna it, it's it's my home on the, on the internet, and so I think you'll get to know me a little bit there. So on the about me Sue tab, you'll also find out a little bit about my my battle with chronic illness which is the reason that I not any longer an off the charts extrovert, (laughs) uh, which is also the reason that I don't get to travel and speak and do those kinds of things as much anymore. And, um, but you know, God is so good and what a blessing that my books reach so many more people than I could ever reach traveling and speaking. And so um, his grace is just amazing and sufficient. And so you'll find out about that on the website. I have a section under the blog where I do book reviews and the blog comes out also once a month and that's open to the public. Um, And so, yeah, you can the fact or fiction thing that tells you what parts of the novels are fact and what parts are just creative fiction based on my research. Um, but you know, I just need that glue of fiction to hold all the facts and the biblical truths together. You know, we don't know what color Abraham's eyes were, but we got to come up with something to make him real. Right. Um, and then this, the songbird, that's the prequel. Um, that is a, it's a short story and it, it kind of gives you information on a couple of the characters, what their lives might have been like before we begin the biblical story of Joseph and his wife, Aznath. So, um, all right, Kit, tell me what you like. You told me before we got on on the recording here what you liked about this um, 
Songbird. Tell me, tell me what you liked about it and why. Well, uh, I just love the idea of um, the mystery and the intrigue around her. You know, we just really don't give that much consideration to who she might have been because our eyes are so directed toward Joseph and what's happening in Egypt at the time and how he's being promoted from his place in the prison to Pharaoh's, you know, right-hand man. Um, and so we're, we're looking there, but we forget while we're looking at all the things Joseph is doing, what his home life is like. We know. Know from scripture, he's married. He has two kids. He didn't marry a Hebrew woman. That, that's just weren't available to him where he was in his position. Um, and so uh, just the how she g- gains an influence. She was probably, um, and, and you say that she was a... Um, a daughter of a priest. Uh, so she was raised in a different culture and a different religious climate. Mm-hmm. And so to think about um, as, as the situation is heating up in the nation, how this relationship is heating up between Asnath and Joseph and how those things might happen, the strife that they would immediately have because they're such different people being thrust together. Um, and it just really speaks to all of us who've been put in situations that we didn't see coming or things that we weren't particularly expecting or where our expectations meet reality. And when we see people struggle through that, uh, yeah. that's always an interesting story to me. And so I'm really excited to be able to read that and to get my heart set for the next big thing in Feast or Famine. Cool, cool. So now that's Feast or Famine. That's my novel. What? What a prequel does, what this this free prequel, the the um, the freebie we call it, you know, that people get when they sign up, it went away, hun. Um, they get a look at Potiphar. So Aznath is the the name of the woman that Joseph marries. His Aznath's dad, Potiphera, he is the subject of the prequel. He and Aznath's mom, who we don't see in the novel, their courtship is what we see in the prequel. And so you see this this woman who's not in the novel but who plays a huge part in the novel mm. because you'll, you'll find this out in, in the first chapter or two of the novel, uh, Aznath's mom was murdered. And so we're going to get a glimpse in this prequel of how Aznath's mom and Potiphera fall in love, how they, have this child how kind of how Egypt works um how the pharaoh is in charge of it all you don't mess with pharaoh but also how pharaoh is you know it's a it's a really um difficult and dangerous position to be in because he too is in in danger um, lots of lots of intrigue. His son, um, you know, starts doing some things to unseat him off the throne, and so you're gonna you're gonna get a feel for what Egypt and the political and religious world how they battle a little bit, and 
you're going to get a feel for Potiphera. He's our he's our antagonist in the novel. And so you're going to get a feel. He's a great guy in this prequel, but you're going to see how he starts down a slippery slope. Wow. And it's going to lead you into the novel a little bit. You're going to find out how much he adored his wife and and what it's going to do to him to lose her. So. Wow. Well, I am excited to get my hands on that and to enjoy that. Um, but in your previous book, Potiphar's Wife, we learned so much about the Egyptian culture um, and about uh, things that, that we didn't really know. Usually when we're studying the story of, of Genesis um, in the 30s somewhere, I forget exactly where, 34 through what, 40, um, Joseph's life, and, and we're looking at the Hebrews and their progression, but we really forget the context that they're in. And so I so appreciate the work that you did discovering more about what Egyptian culture was like at time at that time. Who were the key players? What was happening in the rest of the world? Droughts and, and uh, natural disasters and things that shaped and caused um, the culture to unfold the way it did and to set up the scenario for uh, the Hebrews moving to Egypt in the first place. And for uh, Joseph's rise to power. So, um, so interested in reading that. And um, as soon as I can, I'm getting ready to read In Feast or Famine, which we will talk about when we come back from our break in just a moment. fun having Misu Andrews on our show again today. I always learn something new when I talk to her or read her works. I love to learn and I love hearing stories. And I guess you do too or you wouldn't be here with us every week. We're so grateful for your ongoing affirmation and support. If you're new to our show, please take a moment to like and subscribe, to rate and review, and to share this show with people you think might enjoy it too. You can find out more about the Now I See podcast by visiting our website at nis.media. While you're there, check out our Authors tab, where you can get links to books from some of our favorite authors, like Misu, and Kim Vogel-Sawyer, who we featured last week, and Dennis Conrad, who will be joining us in the weeks ahead. You can check out some of our featured causes, like Isaiah 117 House and the Neuro Fitness Foundation. You can catch up on any of over 100 episodes you may have missed. You can read our reviews on our Reviews tab and leave your name on our wall. You can also join the conversation and get information on local and national events, like the Praises Cross the Prairie concert in Grand Prairie, Texas, April 30th the upcoming National Writers Conferences, where you can actually meet some of our guests, and the National Day of Prayer on May 4th, when you engage with us on our socials at Now I See Pod. As always, we love hearing from you. 
And now, let's hear more from our guest today, Misu Andrews. We are back from our break with our guest today, Misu Andrews. So Misu, just before the break, we were talking about your two other works, your recent works, The Deep Oceanal um, and um, the prequel, Songbird, to the book In Feast or Famine. So hopefully our readers and listeners, are, their appetites are wet for a discussion on your actual big release here in Feast or Famine. So um, tell us tell us all about it. Uh this this book, I'll tell you, I so Potiphar's wife was was the first one in the Egyptian Chronicles, and it was a hard story. I'm Kit, you said it yourself. It was a hard story because how can you how can you make Potiphar's wife, who did such hard, terrible things to our our beloved Joseph, right? He's everybody loves Joseph, and and we left Joseph in prison. At the end of Potiphar's wife, I mean that's a hard that's a hard thing, and so, I didn't want to like her at I, all, um, and I didn't want to see that Joseph was weak in any way. And of course, because he's human, he did make mistakes. He did have failings, and so thank you for making him more human. And then thank you for making her more human because I just had this image of her, this uh, evil all the time, seductress kind of woman, um, and didn't fully appreciate that she also had feelings and she had good points that we weren't aware of. And you made me rethink all of that, darn it. Um, and, and to um, open my um, heart and my mind to the possibility that things aren't always the way they appear. Um, and sometimes we jump to conclusions and sometimes we've been um, taught a certain prejudice and I certainly was prejudiced against her. And so it was very, um, had to, you're right, it was hard, and I had to work through some issues about what I thought about her and what I thought about those scriptures and see that through fresh eyes. And so I thank you for that. Oh, thank you. You're going to do it again, too, aren't you? I, you know, here, here's the other hard thing. The fiction part of Potiphar's Wife was I, I really needed to give Joseph somebody that was encouraging to him, that would boost him and encourage his faith, his heart, even in that dark, dark prison cell. And so I gave him a Hebrew woman that he fell in love with. Well, bummer, because because everybody loved her. Yes, we wanted that to happen. I have to tell you, my (laughs) editor really loved her too. And she, when I said, yeah, but Joseph has to marry Asnath. And she's like, well, I'm not editing that book. Forget it. Get somebody else. And I'm like, well, I can't. You're my editor. So, you know, we got to make, we got to work through this. 
So, um, and she's like, yeah, but I, your readers are also going to feel the same because you've made a, a Hera this wonderful and Joseph this one, and they have a wonderful love that we really believe in. And I don't know how you're going to, you know, make this believable that he loves anybody else ever, ever. And so that has, that was really a hard, hard thing. I mean, who? so that it it was difficult not only to make believable that joseph such a such a faithful yahweh follower could not that he could marry who pharaoh said he had to marry i mean you have to you have to do what pharaoh says to do or you know you don't breathe very long so i mean that okay that has to happen but I mean, I really did not want to write a second book that people had a hard time getting through, right? Uh, you know, people are only going to read so many books of mine that they, they don't really want to read all the way through. So uh, let's let's make it a little more fun. So um, it, I have to, I had to, even for my own heart, I wanted to make this something that felt felt encouraging and it was encouraging for Joseph that he was redeemed and that he felt God's pleasure and that he felt joy in this story and that he knew without a doubt God was with him and blessing him and encouraging him and and that he knew without a doubt that the direction he was being led was not not just favor, because he felt favor when he was a slave in Potiphar's house and when he was in the prison in, you know, and so he felt favor always, but that he felt good and joy in this stuff, even when he had to marry this, um, the daughter of a priest. And even when his heart was broken, because he couldn't marry this woman that I'd given him in fiction, you know? Um, and so somehow we pulled that off and I'm not going to tell you how, cause I don't want to spoil it for you, but even my editor was, she was fine with it. Now I won't say that she was jumping up and down until we got toward the end, but even at the end, she was like, you know, yeah, we, we've pulled it off. We're good. So, um, well, Mesu, so many of your women, so many of your readers are women, and I think we can all say that we have lost love, that life didn't turn out for us exactly the way that we hoped, and for many women, they were blessed enough to find love again, and so you're reaching all of those women in all of those fields, um, and so I know there will be a strong connection, as with every of your books, but uh, especially this one as well. Yeah, well, and, and that's the other thing. This book is honestly, it's not about Joseph. This book is about Aisna and and her story is also the story of many of us women, um, but also the, it, it's a story for everyone. It's for men, too, because it is the story of finding our purpose, our God given purpose, because when we start the story, Aisna, she believes her purpose was given to her at her mother's dying breath. She heard her mother's dying breath, and it. She said to her, "Your your purpose is to become Isis incarnate, the mother of Israel, and you're to heal Israel." 
And so in her mind, she was to become a goddess. She was to become goddess in human form. And and so for her to marry a Hebrew, no, she was she had been prepared from her earliest memory to become a priestess and marry a pharaoh. That was her destiny. And so all of these, her whole life, that's all she'd ever done. She'd she'd eaten, breathed, slept, everything for that single purpose. And when she had to marry a Hebrew, a hated, despite, I mean, they wouldn't even eat with a Hebrew. They wouldn't touch the same dishes as a Hebrew. And now she had to marry one. That, that was so abominable to her. And yet Pharaoh said it. So both she and Joseph had some major, major things to overcome in this relationship, right? And yet it was in the midst of that that each one found their God-given purpose. And they realized their God-given purpose was exactly the same thing. That is just so fun. And and one of the cool things um, that happened right away when I started the research, I found um, it, it was an ancient biblical fiction. It was an ancient fiction story called Joseph and Aznath. And it was written between 200 BC and 200 AD. So in the earlier times, it was written by Jews. And it was written to basically evangelize Gentiles into Jewish faith. And it was, it was because Aznath was the first Jewish convert. Think about it. Egyptian coming into the Jewish family because her sons were incorporated into the 12 tribes. Mm-hmm. Two of and, them. Such a big way. Right? And think about then after Jesus, so in the AD part, right, that same story was so powerful that the Christians adjusted it and they incorporated bread and wine and made it an evangelistic tool to convert Jews to Christianity. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that sure is. Yeah. And so I took a lot of my, oh, the description of Aznath was kept in a tower. I mean, we're talking Rapunzel kind of thing. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when I was reading the description. Yeah. Yeah. So she was kept in a tower by Potiphera for the first 15 years of her life. Well, after she saw her mom's murder. And she was kept away from men. She was only saw these maids of hers. And I took a lot of the description and stuff from this ancient biblical fiction. It was so fun. So some of that research just makes it all the richer and just, yeah, it it was, it was one of the, it was just one of the funnest projects I've done. It, It really, it was a joy. 
Well, I know how you love your research, and I was going to ask you if you had uh, any had discovered anything, and yes, you have. So I will be so excited to see how that works itself out in the story. Um, and it's so interesting to think of both Asnath and Joseph finding their identity. I mean, he is a Hebrew. He's been raised as a Hebrew, and now he's a very prominent Egyptian. She has been raised um, with, with a certain set of ideas and cultures that is being dropped into um, uh, blended Hebrew-Egyptian uh, culture. And so both of them are actually trying to figure out who they are and what's their context and, and how their purpose fits this very weird, unusual blended plan. Um, and I know anybody who's in transition is going to feel right at home in the pages of your book um, as they uh, are, begin a journey of self-discovery um, by watching these two figure it out. So I am so excited uh, to read that. And of course, that book comes out on May 9. Is Are there... Um, pre-sales available? Yes. In fact, if you pre-order it, um, and then there's a, there's a link, a pre-order link that you can go to my publisher's website, you'll get to download a pre-order package, um, that you'll get an extra prequel. So you'll get a part one that also is a little, a couple extra chapters, a special little gift. Uh, and then there are also a few other special gifts that you'll get if you pre-order before May 9th. Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. So give the name of that website, or can we get there from yours? Um, it is waterbrookmultnoma.com backslash in feast or famine pre-order. No spaces. Okay. Woo, exciting. Um, and people can get the book and more information um, about you and all of the content that you're creating on your website at misuandrews.com. Um, and we will make your books available through our featured authors pages on our site, nis.media. Um, so there are lots of ways to get a hold of that information, and I sure hope that you will. So, Misu, as we close out our show today, is there anything you'd like uh, others to see more clearly as a result of our conversation? You know, I just... I love God's word and I think I think it is worth our time. I think it is worth at least your 15 minutes. So if you can start with one book, just one book, I would encourage you to start with the Devotionals part 3. Um it's it's 2.99 on Kindle and I think that is a half a cup of coffee. So <laughs> Get started on that. And uh, if you can prepare your heart with truth, I think mm. then fiction will make more sense to you. So you've got, a, you know, you've got a little bit of April to prepare your heart for the May 9th release. And I would encourage you to do that. Well, so fun. And I am so grateful for your time today, for your insight, for your research, for your willingness to put your thoughts out there where all of us have access to them because you're a good thinker and you're a beautiful dreamer um, as you fill in the gaps between uh, truth and uh, what could have been. And so, so excited to have access to that content and to you today. Wow. Thank you. It's been so fun. I love talking to you. Good. Well, let's do it again on your next big release. What, in another year? Ah, about another year. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I can't wait for that. So, uh, but we will have you back again. Thanks. And um, listeners, we'll see you again next week. We're so glad you were able to join us for today's eye-opening interview. 
You can find out more about our guest today by reading our show notes or visiting our website at nis.media. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Special thanks to the team at Headset Radio for their technical expertise and to Joel Salazar, who created and performed the new Now I See theme song. 